This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're with Lee Tridlin and Sharad Kutin. Tonight, a Labor Day special. Uh, we're looking at the call for greater employer contributions to the EPF, as well as for a pension scheme for all senior citizens. Yeah, so first we're going to take a look at the request for employers' EPF contributions to be raised to 20%. That's employers, right? And then after that, we speak to Party Socialist Malaysia about their proposed pension plan. So tell us, uh, do you support both these requests? What else do you want to see in terms of work? Rights. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U mobile number zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. This is Inside Story. It is 6.09. So, of course, this is the 2nd of May, um, one day after Labor Day, International Workers' Day, whatever you call it. And um, there are a bunch of things to discuss surrounding this. So, on the 30th of... 30th of April, uh, the Union Network International Malaysia Labour Centre sent a 12-point request to Prime Minister Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim, uh, including raising employers' EPF contributions, hence the first part of our show, uh, but also raising the retirement age. Um, its president, Datuk Muhammad Shafi BP Mamal, was reported to have said some 15 million employees are facing a myriad of challenges which need to be addressed and which uh, this, which the raising of the contribution could help with. Yeah, and in response, uh, yesterday, uh, Anwar Ibrahim, the Prime Minister, said he's yet to hold discussions with the Cabinet on the recent calls. Uh, he said, uh, reporters, however, that it will be brought to Cabinet for discussion after the launching of the Labor Day celebration uh, at uh, Putrajaya International Convention Centre. Now, earlier in his speech, he said he wanted employers and employees, including the government uh, and its representatives, to be able to hold talks among themselves in an amicable manner without any tension. Okay, uh, we'll return to that. I think that without any tension is is a, potentially a big ask when you're talking about money. But anyways, um, obviously right now, as it stands, uh, employees contribute 11% of our monthly salary to the EPF, while employers make up uh, 12 or 13% of the salary, depending on the statutory contribution rate. And so going from that to 20% would be, a, I think, a pretty significant leap, especially considering... Well, um, going back to that point that was raised about the myriad of challenges which need to be addressed, I think there is no disguising the fact that people are worried about retirement, people are worried about cost of living, the government is worried about people worrying about that. Um, and we've also seen multiple EPF withdrawals. Again, I, I am just at this point rehashing the obvious. but um, And I think that these are the things that people are so deeply worried about when they look at their accounts and and are wondering, well, okay, how am I going to make it or what's going to happen to me after 55? Yeah, you know, look, I'm no economist. Uh, you know this, <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> I'm, I'm stunned. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, there's, there's several things. Uh, an, an increase in employer contributions are not going to go into your pocket. 
right? Yeah. This is about a retirement fund, a retirement fund that is under tremendous pressure today uh, and also one that doesn't cover all workers So because of the nature of work, right? So it, it's only if you're kind of salaried or you have uh, voluntarily put yourself into the EPF system, uh, you're not covered. And so we have a greater problem. That, well, that's on the worker side. And on the employer's side, there's always the challenge of increasing business costs. And they're going to just say, well, look, and I know a lot of people hate uh, and love to hate on uh, the Malaysian Employers Federation, but you know they're going to turn around and say, look, this isn't yet a problem. We're coming out of COVID. There's all these challenges globally. You're adding yet another layer of cost because the employer's not going to be able to take that extra from the salary and now put it into EPF. They're going to have to come. And of course, people say, well, they already make super profits or they mm. make profits. I mean, generally speaking, uh, why can't they just take less of a profit and be considerate to workers? So... That's on the side of the EPF contribution. Now, if we head further down the line towards retirement or past retirement, uh, there's also been a recent conversation about what happens then. Because Party Socialist Malaysia is urging the government to implement a scheme for Malaysian senior citizens or retirees who don't receive pensions. They're calling it the senior citizens pension. And they are proposing that people aged 65 years and above get paid 500 ringgit per month for the rest of their lives. Um, PSM's chairperson, Dr. Michael Jayakuma, said that the government uh, could execute the scheme. It would only cost 10.8 billion ringgit per year and they said that 2.3 million that's 56% of senior citizens do not have pensions and aren't financially covered by the government yeah, so we know that, I mean, this is stated over and over again with aging society. We know that uh, old age poverty is a, it's going to be a huge problem. We know that the safety nets are uh, only as good as the ecosystems they're embedded in. They're only as good as prices being stable, uh, you know, especially with things like um, medical and healthcare uh, costs not going up precipitously. All these things really, you know, mean that trying to resolve this problem uh, is in some ways going to the heart of our economic system. We have an economic system that potentially is not delivering for the average worker mm. uh, and not um, securing their future post-work. So, you know, it's a huge problem and I don't know, and I'm wondering if this government, uh, any government that's in power today uh, has the wherewithal to sit down and begin a very complex uh, conversation about how do we secure the future of workers and, uh, you know, and, and, and do it in a way that will not break the bank, as it were. Yeah, especially because we are heading increasingly towards being um, an aged society. And we, we talk about that. I think it comes up from time to time in different pockets, right? Uh, we talk about it when it comes to healthcare. Uh, we talk about it when it comes to retirement here and there. But I, I was thinking about what you were saying in, in relation to in relation to the government and whether there is an interest in it. And I think the question is also um, at what point, at what point, do the numbers shift and do more voters, do more people just get older and hit further and further towards retirement? Because we know that, for example, our replacement rate isn't what it used to be. You know, so there are all sorts of things going on here, uh, all of which to say, in conjunction with Labor Day, we are talking about working and retiring in the in the form of um, whether 
employers' EPF contributions should go up to 20%. Uh, the Prime Minister has said that this is going to be discussed in the Cabinet uh, at some point. Um, so we're talking about that and we want to hear about that from you. We're also asking you what you think about senior citizens getting paid 500 ringgit per month for the rest of their lives. Do you support both these these calls, these requests, um, when it comes to safeguarding workers' rights and retirements, what else do we need? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Boring, fake, macho. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. BFM 89.9. It is 6.21. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. And today we're talking about workers' rights, workers' protections, uh, particularly financial. Um, and that is in light of a request uh, for employers' EPF contributions to go up to 20%. The Prime Minister has said that um, they will discuss it at a cabinet level. Um, meanwhile, there are also there's also a separate call for there to be a senior citizen's pension for for retirees uh, 65 years and above to get 500 ringgit per month for the rest of their lives to be able to live with dignity. So we're asking you, what do you think of these requests? Um, would you like? I, I guess the question is not so much whether you would like <laughs> to, your, have to have more money in your EPF. It's more like, uh, I'm curious to know actually if you are an employer, how you feel about the request for that 20% contribution. Um, but also, what do you think of the 500 ringgit senior citizen pension scheme for everybody. Um, what else could we do to better give people a fighting shot at a good retirement? Uh, that number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So uh, we have some voice notes from experts. We will start things off with uh, this from Dr. Dr. Mohammad Afsa Nizam, Abdul Rashid, Chief Economist and Social Finance at Bank Muamalat. I suppose the, the main intention is to fast track in terms of uh, rebuilding the uh, EPF savings among uh, EPF members. Uh, while the intention can be noble, uh, I suppose it requires an extensive study. Because the way I see it, it may have a direct impact in terms of the uh, cost of doing business, especially in respect to uh, labour costs, because this will represent an additional uh, uh, overhead expenditure for the particular uh, labour. So uh, while we want to ensure that um, EPM members, uh, especially those who are being affected by the COVID-19 in the past, would actually be able to rebuild their savings, but we need to, uh, at the same time, be mindful in terms of the impact to the cost of doing business, uh, especially those who are in the, in the SME segment. That was Dr. Mohammad Afzanizam Abdul Rashid, Chief Economist and Social Finance at Bank Muamalat. Yeah, so he signaled something very important uh, that's kind of lurking in the background, right? After many massive withdrawals from the EPF as a whole, right, uh, from uh, account holders... Uh, 
kind of uh, led by governments or allowed by governments who thought that this was going to be a good thing during the COVID era, we've actually undermined the EPF system as yes. a retirement scheme, right? So he's saying, well, is this an attempt uh, to, in fact, help the EPF rebuild? Because uh, on the individual basis, you're kind of helping the individual contributor to build up their savings, having maybe withdrawn uh, large amounts. But it's also maybe about the system itself itself needing to be uh, more secure. I mean, I mean, I, like, again, I, I'll just say I'm not an economist, so I don't really know where EPF is going. But uh, that, I think, is an interesting thing. But he brings up what, you know, what we, we talked about earlier, Lynn, you know, that this is going to be seen by employers as a cost to doing business, uh, one which they will say, and they often say it, it's not the right time. Yeah, so the thing about it's not the right time, of course, is that it often uh, or it, it never really will be uh, from the from the employer's perspective. I'm not saying all employers. Like I said, if you are an employer, we very much want to hear from you about this question of upping employee employer contributions to the EPF from the current 12, 13% to 20%. So um, I, I do think, though, that when it comes to the question of cost to the business, um, it people will put it off for as long as possible. That's just the way of things, isn't it? I, I think so. And, and it goes back to what Anwar Ibrahim said about the need for kind of tripartite discussion. Uh, businesses, government, and 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 workers. Now, when you come, when it comes to government, it's very clear it's the government of the day. When it comes to uh, uh, employers, it's even you know it's clear it's you know the Malaysian Employer Federation. They they're very well organized. Are workers as organized? And this comes back to I, I think some initiatives that are going to be uh, are in the works now. Helping workers organize, the lack of a strong trade union uh, movement in Malaysia, lock, a lack of strong labor movement in this country has meant that workers have always the weakest coming to that negotiating table. We haven't seen strikes. see that in many countries, uh, we don't see them in Malaysia. Workers don't have the tools to leverage their demands. I mean, you can make requests, but if yeah. you don't have a tool, if you don't have something the other person wants, which is that you turn up at work and you do the work, um, and you can withhold that, if you don't, you don't have that recognition, then then what do you have? Yes, uh, and if you don't have that recognition without any form of, uh, you know, the, the kind of safety that you get with organising, not safety, but not certainty either, just, I guess... Strength. Strength, yeah, strength, strength is the word. Strength, yeah. um, we have, uh, well... Shani um, saying, well, employers' contribution to EPF is part of the input cost of product services sold by the business. Uh, it's a component of the price of the goods or services paid for by the customers. Uh, there should be long-term policies to incorporate such, such social protection mechanisms. Employers are only the medium to collect contributions by customers. Employers are not paying anything in actual fact. Yeah, you know, you know, we have also a really anomalous situation in Malaysia because we have a huge foreign worker population that spend much of their youth in this country, but who we have oh no moral obligation uh, to secure their future. So they go back to their uh, their countries of origin and they grow old then. We don't. So we're kind of, in some ways, lucky that we get to use a lot of their, their youth. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a moral yeah. problem, really. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I think it comes back to whether this discussion can be, go beyond thinking of people as inputs in an industrial system, whether we see the social cost of not doing enough 
to prevent old age poverty, to prevent uh, poverty and deprivation in in uh, in the working population as they grow older. You know, these are the things that we need to to uh, hidden from view when we think of people merely as inputs in production. Well, uh, on that, Captain Arriva says, I'm a business owner. I feel that it's okay for me to contribute to my employees as they are so important for me. It's important for me to invest in them. I see them as assets. So it's not just um, clearly, like we said earlier, maybe some employers are going to be open to this or, or see this as a welcome move. Yeah, and you know, we see that in other countries where employers have very explicit uh, notions about uh, wages, that the top tier doesn't earn more than, you know, a, a ratio of whatever to the bottom tier, that there's, there's social equity uh, at the kind of enterprise level. But we need a conversation where, where it happens at a national level too. So we're talking today about workers' rights in the form of um, how much social security we get, uh, where the question is of retirement. And we'd like to hear from you. Do you support the idea of employers contributing 20% to EPF, uh, particularly if you're in the position of being an employer, we want to hear from you. Uh, do you also support the notion of a pension plan for everybody, 500 ringgit a month? What else do you want to see? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Boyish 40-something millionaires. BFM 89.9. It is 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. Uh, we are doing a sort of post-Labor Day, Labor Day special um, because there has been a call for employers' EPF contributions to go up to 20% from the current 12 to 13. Uh, that is, what is the word I'm looking for? Statutory, yes. Um, and... Alongside that, there's also been a separate suggestion for a scheme for Malaysian retirees uh, where everybody 65 years and above gets 500 ringgit per month for the rest of their lives to allow them to live out in dignity, uh, live out their lives in dignity. But also, you know, kind of the question of, well, how do we support people who may not currently have enough to retire on? So we'd like to hear from you. Um, on the first bit, particularly if you're an employer, uh, do you, how do you feel about the suggestion for the contribution rate to EPF to go up to 20%? Um, and then in general, pension for everybody, 500 ringgit, what do you think? What else should there be to support people? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note uh, to 018-789-8899. You can drop us a WhatsApp there as well and tweet us at BFM Radio. So uh, just to close off, we did reach out to some economists to get their thoughts on the question of the EPF contribution. And we have this from Dr. Carmelo Ferlito, the CEO of the Centre for Market Education. I think it is uh, too fast and too soon, taking into account that it is almost uh, double than the current employer's contribution for EPF. Therefore, um, doesn't take into account the complicated situation that is experienced now um, uh, by, by the labor market. Uh, furthermore, um, I would add that uh, uh, this is a situation that is not new, is not due only the, the, the fact that uh, the fact that uh, uh, many workers have uh, little resources in EPF is not simply due to the 
uh, lockdown withdrawal is, uh, is an old issue. And uh, the measure that is proposed, while uh, it has a certain ratio behind, uh, a certain ratio, I think that doesn't face uh, the, real, uh, the real problem. Um, while it can be a, you know, a reactive measure, it doesn't take into account that we need more radical measures to increase um, the general uh, the generality of wages. So in order to improve the savings of the people, we need first and foremost better wages or better paying jobs. How do we go there? We don't go there with higher, higher uh, contributions on EPF. We need a, a more holistic approach to the labor market and a serious consideration about trade-offs and uh, in general also a serious consideration about our structure of production, so the jobs that are available for the people uh, in the country. So we need to open a wider and more serious conversation uh, that try to address uh, the situation at, uh, uh, at the root, not just in a reactive way. That was Dr. Carmelo Ferlito, CEO of the Centre for Market Education. Yeah, so he's sort of saying, well, okay, um, look to the larger problem. And it's a wage suppression that we've had for decades. Um, the quality of the jobs that are being uh, actually, uh, uh, you know, d- developed, that we get, what kinds of jobs are, are happening, where is, uh, you know, uh, say the, the longstanding problem of graduate unemployment, and all these things, right, all contribute to the general problem of, uh, you know what workers will have at the end of their working lives, uh, and uh, but uh, you know when we go back to the initial um, proposal, it's about contributing to EPF for somebody in their twenties. They're not going to be able to access that money for fifty years. I'm oh, sorry, for thirty-five years, right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> so. You know, if you are in your 40s and you are, you are hard-pressed because you have low wages, this is not going to help you either. No, not, not by a lot. No, and not for another 15 years. No. So, so um, actually, the, the point that you're raising, I think that's, an, that's a bit of a theme between both the, the gentlemen that we reached out to for voice notes because they're both saying, well, look, you need further study and you need to look at what is happening on a societal level, that it cannot just be. I think the, the use of the word reactive is quite interesting because um, it is a, a reaction and it maybe doesn't matter that it's a reaction to things that were done by previous governments. The point is that it is a reactive move. Um, and so we are some... Just to say that we are some distance away from this actually happening. Um, the Prime Minister, as yet, the furthest he's gone is in saying it will be discussed at in Cabinet. When? Not right now. <laughs> at some point. So, you know, it, it's, it's... Well, he said after Labor Day. He, well, yeah, but... That's, you know, that was yesterday. So, I mean, okay, look, so the question is whether there's, um, you know, political will to, um, to to talk about this and, and to take that talk into, you know, to a level where, uh, you know, something might happen. Right. I mean, we have endless productions of Jautan Kwasa, this and that. Uh, maybe, you know, this will be uh, fruitful. It's very hard to tell until we see the, the details. But uh, what exactly can governments do? We think that governments have all the power in the world. Uh, but do they? 
if we don't have a broad enough tax base? How do we um, uh, fund a pension scheme, right? It's all well and good to say we want, uh, say, and we'll put that to our guests later on. It's it's all well and good to say, you know, uh, let's give everybody 500 ringgit. But the question is, where's it going to come from? And what are are the trade-offs, you know? And I think those are the more difficult things. In abstract, it might seem more wonderful, but the question is then, but then can we not do it? Can we afford as a society not to protect all the people? Well, uh, lots of, a variety of responses coming in actually uh, via both the voice notes and WhatsApp. Again, we'd like to hear from you, especially if you are in the position of being an employer. How do you feel about the idea of potentially contributing 20% uh, to the EPF for your employees? Is that something that you you think would work? Um, But also broadly speaking, what kind of protections do we need to put in place for people's retirements? I mean, there's a suggestion of a 500 ringgit pension scheme. Are you in support of that? Those numbers, uh, you can call us double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note uh, to zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. You can also drop us a WhatsApp there. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So on to the voice notes. Uh, let's go with this one from uh, Seifel. I, in my humble opinion, regarding the increase of the cost of uh, business itself, it's already there when we are talking about increasing of 20% uh, from the contribution to the employee. On top of that, you have to remember we have minimum wages we are looking at. That, that's already implementing here in Malaysia. And we are looking at implementation is up to maybe up to 2,500. So those are all the costs that have to be bear by the employer or the business owner. In such a way, it's also a push to a business to become more automatic or become more reliant to AI. As AI is already breaching the gap within, uh, with ChatGPT and all those kind of AI software that's already have in the market. So it's big. I would say that, and that this will be a way to go in order to decrease the cost of uh, overhead in any business. On top of that, regarding the pension for the 65 years old, it's a good call on it, but you have to remember by come up to the net 10 years, 10 to 20 years in the future, 500 won't be enough for this. 500 will be enough for this thing because the cost of inflation is now coming out 2 to 3% per year. Sometimes can go up to 10% per year. As we know, we can see the cost of living here in Malaysia is already increasing. It's already increased. It's quite high compared to our salary. So 500 won't be enough. Saiful, thank you so much. Let's break that down. So there, there were two parts uh, to Saiful's um, you know, message, right? I think the first bit is whether or not the increasing cost towards employers may just push them towards having fewer employees. Automating. Yes, automating, which I, you know, I, I think in some industries in particular is a very real concern. Um, so that's one. Let's talk about that first. 
Well, automation is good because it, you know, that's how they calculate productivity, right? So you automate it. Will in fact, mean that uh, you can spread the wealth around a little more. I, I think, I, I, again, you know, I've kind of just hesitated to talk about these because I, I know I'm not an economist. But uh, but uh, whether it will mean that we will see greater unemployment, especially in the uh, in those jobs that AI can take, right? The, all the clerical work, the the work that you know required somebody with at least a college degree. Will those disappear? So the question is, what work will be automated? What will disappear and who will be out of a job? And where will they go? Right now, um, at, at least if we're talking about things like AI generating, um, you still do need people to look through what it is that they generate. Uh, whether it becomes more sophisticated over time, you know, I think that will in some way determine the answer to the questions that you're asking about who's going to be affected. Now, the second part of that point, the 500 ringgit, I think that that is, uh, that is true. I think even now, if you talk about where it is that old people, uh, the old people who are going to be covered by this, the elderly folks, um, where they live, that might also determine whether 500 is enough. I think it's a start, certainly. Yeah, but you know, one of the things that, uh, and one ways that you know, that societies can help people apart from the cash handouts is, in fact, to create uh, you know support systems where they don't have to pay. So, for instance, very low healthcare costs, which is something that I think older people will need increasingly, right? So you 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 keep you cap those, and in that way, um, they're not spending that five hundred on you know medication and stuff because medic medical health is. Uh, or medical care, rather, is uh, taken care of. I mean, I, again, it's it sounds like one of those conversations that needs a really holistic approach. It's all these different, um, you know, gears working at the same time that need to be resolved. But um, so a one-off idea of increasing employer contributions might not be the solution. It sounds good. And, and I'm very curious to know more about the organization that's pushing this because where and what leverage do they have in making these proposals? Uh, well, we also have um, another voice note that's come in that's not necessarily for the move. This is from Sharon. I don't think it's a good idea as an employer myself because ever since the pandemic, we have a shortage of staff. It's a lot more difficult to get uh, new staffs. And as a result, we had to also raise the basic salary scheme. And so we raised salary across board. Number one is so that we can get um, more staff. And at the same time, we also understand that inflation is there and uh, um, and the staffs themselves they need uh, they are also you know having trouble because of the inflation so if this also goes up at uh, this EPF contribution were to go up what happens is that the cost of running business goes up and ultimately what will happen when the cost of running business goes up we may have no choice but to raise our uh, profit margin and that again will mean higher inflation. So I don't think it's a good idea, honestly, because at the end of the day, it will just go back to the people again. So it's not a good idea. Not this time. Not at this time. Definitely not. Sharon, thank you for that. Um, just well, I think what very Sharon, firm. <laughs> yeah, well, Sharon was just saying, you know, if uh, if profits shrink for the employer, 
they're going to push that cost uh, onto the consumer. I mean, that's what she's saying. But, but you know, the share of of uh, that employers take vis a vis employees is very high in Malaysia. It's not like employers don't get a good return on their investments. Okay, so Nyam uh, on WhatsApp is saying. So you increase 20%, that's a direct 7% increase of salary. Going forward, should employers freeze employee salaries without annual increments? As a way of making sense of the of increase. The, the increase, increase, yeah. So clearly, I think clearly there are some very strong feelings being felt about this question of eating into, eating into OPEX, right? Eating into how much it is that it costs to run a business. Uh, I don't agree with this, by the way. Just just to say, I realize I did not say it. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily agree with this. You know, the individual entrepreneur, you know, they they all they have their own struggles, I guess, and you know, they're going to have to make sense of what costs are um, and and how they can, you know, maintain profitability and uh, you know justify all the effort they put into making a business work. Uh, so I, I can't speak to that, but but what I can say is that. On a, on a social, on a societal level, if we don't solve this problem, because it's not like Malaysian workers have been overpaid for decades, nothing. It's been that they're underpaid mm. and that has had dire consequences for them. And so, you know, how do we create um, a conversation that isn't, in, you know, antagonistic, that isn't a kind of like, uh, you know, kind of winner takes all kind of situation. The Prime Minister there. said amicable. So uh, without tension, without tension. tension. Yeah. So yes. So I, I think he. So he knows that it's going to be. I mean, he was gesturing towards what he thinks is un- inevitable in these conversations. But you know, and then this this happens everywhere, I guess. So keep those thoughts coming. Uh, we want to know whether you, especially if you're an employer, would support this call for that contribution to EPF to go up to 20%, uh, but also the question of a 500 ringgit pension for everybody. Would you support that? That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. 2900 That number to voice note, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Brand-friendly marketeers, BFM 89.9. It is 6.54 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We're talking today about uh, workers' rights, especially in terms of pay. Um, and this is coming as there's been a call for EPF contributions by employers to go up to 20%. We're asking you whether you support that. Uh, also, would you support a 500 ringgit pension for everybody? And if we head to the messages and the voice notes, because there are loads of them, let's start off on this side of things with uh, someone who is for, actually, because we've heard a lot of no's. Um, let's hear from somebody who's for it. This is Farhood. Hi, BFM. So I would like to weigh in a little bit on the subject of the employers uh, increasing, their, increasing their contribution to the EPF uh, from 12 to 13 percent to all the way to 20 percent. Honestly, this is a good move. And I mean, it is a good request and it will be a good move for employers to do as well. Even uh, though a lot of people might disagree, a lot of business owners might disagree, but there's actually an upside to this. If, an, if a potential employee sees that um, the employer is willing to contribute um, 20 percent uh, to their EPF, which is then going to be uh, available for them for their retirement later on. 
uh, it will be more attractive for that employee to work in that company. So in a way, even though the employer is increasing their cost by another like 8% in terms of uh, labor costs, they're also gaining uh, a more loyal and uh, long-term employee in return. So this is another way that employers can look at it. As a, as a future business owner, honestly, this is a good move to attract um, loyal employees and also long-term employees as they can contribute more towards your company when you contribute more towards their future. Because if a if someone sees that a company is not willing to contribute to the future, that means the company doesn't care about its staff, it's about, about its employees, and they don't value them enough. So they are drive away from that company. However, if you value your staff, if you value your employees, you will get that same in return from the employees itself. So it, even though you have to sacrifice a little bit of cost, but in return, you will get more. Farhood, thank you for that. Um, so there are others who are also for it, not necessarily for the employee retention point of view, although I think that that is a valid point. Uh, but Tina Karin, for example, says, we are an aging nation and the government needs to look into elderly care and support ASAP. Just look at Japan, copy, paste, edit and apply. Uh, by the way, my present company is contributing 16%. CG says Singapore is having 17% for CPF and they have a strong currency. We have a long way to catch up. Yeah, it's, I like the loyalty argument, but I think this is something that perhaps works in some industries more than it would in others uh, when it comes yeah. to company, lo- I mean, to employee uh, loyalty. Um, but I, I think the idea that each enterprise has its own culture and its own values and how it sees, uh, you know, um, work and how it incentivizes that, whether it's through increased uh, EPF contributions or otherwise. Um, you know, I think it's enti- up to the um, uh, those companies. But the, the question is, should the government on a policy level make this decision on the for all employers? I mean, I think that's the question that's before us. It's not so much, you know, about in- encouraging employers, right? We, we don't want them to go sweatshop, but they don't necessarily have to go Ben and Jerry's. Well, um, so Brian says... I'm an SME employer to a couple dozen local staff and I only hire locals. I'm in support for giving more to my staff because it helps them and helps the economy. But I have a question for Malaysians. Are you willing to pay the price of hiring locals and all the costs that come with sustaining the people that serve you or do Malaysians just not care? And I think that um, this speaks in some ways to, um, you you mentioned foreign workers, foreign labour earlier. And in general, I think there is a devaluing of of labour that has happened with us. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, we, um, the the cost, I think the moral cost and maybe the long-term economic cost of a particular practice with regard to foreign workers, right, super exploited with very little protection to say they're not going to get a retirement scheme, uh, you know. And uh, on one hand, what does it do to a boss who, who can treat? I mean, some of your favorite mamas where the worker has two days off a month. It's, 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 it's insane. But then on our, the trade-off is that we get cheap food. Yes. And so the question that Brian's asking, do we care? I don't know. It's, it's a very good question. Uh, we're going to return to continue this conversation and also to kind of pivot towards the question of the pension plan. Keep those thoughts coming. Please call us, send us a voice note, tweet us. Uh, you're listening to BFM 89.9. Brave Finance Managers. BFM 89.9. 
It is 7.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. Who's almost here. <laughs> yes, who remembered everything that he was supposed to say. <laughs> More or less. Anyways, or less. Um, we are talking today about, uh, well, a, a number of issues around workers' rights, retirement, um, fair remuneration, being able to live with dignity. And all of that is coming as there's been a call for the employer contribution to the EPF to be upped to 20%. Uh, we're pairing that with with a separate suggestion from Party Socialist Malaysia for there to be a pension scheme for uh, all retirees over the age of 65 of 500 ringgit a month. Now, we're going to be exploring that very, very shortly. But before that, just to close off, uh, close the loop, really, on a number of points that have come in in response to the question of the EPF contribution. We're about to listen to a voice note from Chris, who had actually sent in an earlier point as well, um, talking about the burden that um, essentially the burden that upping this could potentially place on small business owners uh, also making a point about well 500 ringgit per person where's that money going to come from we'll get to that later uh, but Chris then added on a separate point in relation to our conversation here it is my name is Chris uh, I'm a small business owner and I opened my business in 2018 uh, and I really don't agree with Sharad I mean the way he says that business owners make a lot of money. No, we don't. We actually, I'm going to fold up a business and so many businesses have already folded up already. Just just take a, a census, a survey of how many business, small businesses have already folded up uh, after COVID. And you will realize that business owners, why they fold up? Because we cannot sustain the business. Uh, it's not viable anymore. We can't even pay ourselves a salary. And so that's why in the end, we decided that, you know, all our dreams and aspirations, just throw it down the drain, you know, eat humble pie and go back to work. And and uh, to say that yeah, business owners make a lot of money, I think you're talking about the top tier, uh, TNB, uh, all those large companies maybe but definitely not the hundreds and thousands of mom and pop shops uh, small restaurants uh, who are eking out a living and require workers to do that uh, I think uh, that's the reality of the situation it's not being addressed in your conversation I think at the moment Chris, thank you for that. Um, just before I, I hand it off to Sharad, <laughs> no, but uh, we, we did hear actually from small business owners primarily. I don't actually think that we've heard from anybody. The largest company so far, uh, at least that they've self-identified, is of a dozen workers. Everyone, and that's still small. So we've only heard from small business owners. And I think that generally the sense is absolutely that um, it, it is tough out there. Um, having said that, I think some people still see it as as worthwhile or maybe a cost that they feel that they can manage at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Chris, I, I feel for you. I think there's a difference between the individual enterprise uh, and the challenges they feel uh, and, I mean, the kind of more aggregate picture that we get about uh, who gets a share of, of profits, right, of, of value being produced. Uh, and in Malaysia, it, it tends to favor uh, employers over uh, mm. over um, uh, employees, but but that doesn't speak to your particular situation. Whether the government needs to come in to help the smaller businesses, because SMEs are in fact the uh, the backbone of the Malaysian economy. What 
distresses them really is going to have uh, you know, an impact on larger society. Keep those thoughts coming, whether it is about uh, employers' contributions to the EPF being upped to 20% or uh, on the question of a senior citizen pension scheme, which would see everybody aged 65 and above retirees getting 500 ringgit a month, which is what we're going to be focusing on next with Dr. Michael Jayakuma, uh, the chairperson of Party Socialist Malaysia, who are um, making this suggestion. So we'll return for that. Keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Brave Free Malaysians. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 7.13. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sherrod. We're talking today about uh, a number of stories circling the theme of workers and employees. We thought it was apropos the day after Labor Day. Uh, and now we're going to be focusing on the question of a pension scheme for retirees 65 and above. And joining us to do that, we have Dr. Michael Jayakuma, Chairperson of Party Socialist Malaysia. Dr. Kuma, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'd like to start off with a question not about the scheme, which we will get to very shortly, but I think a message that we received a little bit earlier that I think will help to frame the conversation maybe a little bit, because um, on WhatsApp, Fash says, uh, I was having my breakfast the other day when I was approached by an old man selling tissue. I gave 10 ringgit without taking the tissue. Not five minutes, another older lady came with a wheelchair and again, I gave another 10 ringgit. My breakfast with drink was less than six. I told another lady accompanying um, accompanying a girl with disabilities that I will not be contributing anymore and I was being labelled uncompassionate. The question to ask is, why have, has this golden generation not got enough for old days? Have they not saved up or bothered to save up? Who should at least need to bear some responsibilities? How many and how often should one assist? And I think this question about the responsibility of whose responsibility it is uh, to have enough in one's old age maybe is a helpful lens through which to approach our conversation. How would you respond? Well, I would say um, you've got to look at and see uh, what were their earnings throughout their, their working career. You know, um, the wages of workers today, for example, the median wage of the factory worker is uh, only 1,800 ringgit. That's the median. That means 50% of them get less than that amount. So with that kinds of save, that kinds of incomes, you really cannot put aside uh, very much apart from your EPF, you know. Um, okay, you, you can't put aside very much money, you know. So it's, it's low wages that has led to uh, a, a low savings for, for, for factory workers, you know, and for other workers as well, you know, whether they are smallholders, uh, fishermen, uh, people who work in the, in the informal sector, you know, we are, we are a low-wage economy. The wage of our factory workers is about one-eighth of the wage of factory workers in, say, Germany or in the U.S. You know, so there they can put aside more money into a social welfare scheme. But here, they can't put aside very much. You've got to address that issue. Dr. Kumar, before again we get to your scheme, uh, the scheme that's being proposed by your party, can we... Talk about the other way in which a lot of people think about these issues by saying, isn't it the responsibility of family that this burden of looking after older people should fall on their children or their grandchildren? Well, if you look at the situation in Malaysia where you have, it is the B40 who'd have 
the least savings when they go into their 65, 70 year old, you know, period. And generally, the children of the B40 will be the children, the people with the lower wages, and and, and you know, who are struggling to meet their own needs. So they're going to put a lot of pressure on them, you know, because even their the children of B40 as well would be getting uh, low wages. So that is the issue. I think the issue in Malaysia is wage suppression. You know, like I've been pointing out, that our GDP in Malaysia has increased 50-fold in real terms in the 50 years between 1970 and 2019. 28 times in real terms. But in real terms, the median wage of factory workers has only gone up 1.5. You know, so there is wage suppression and a lot of the wealth that has been generated has gone to the top companies, the top 1%. You know, so I think we got to put that that fact in as well into the into the whole equation. I, I just wanted to ask you about the pension scheme that you're proposing. Tell us about it and what prompted the proposal itself. Okay, the scheme actually is quite simple. It's uh, five hundred dollars a month for all those above sixty-five, but not on government or any other private pension. So it'll cover. About at this point in time, about 1.8 million individuals will be covered who are in that category and with those qualifications. And it will cost the country about close to about 12 billion a year. Uh, what prompted it is actually, I think, it is the COVID and the PKP and the fact that uh, 145 billion was taken out of the EPF. And it was really the poorest who took out most because uh, the better off people had other sources of savings and income they could hold on. But really the poorest who actually had to take out that amount of money. And they're going to go into their senior years with very little reserve. So if we don't have something in place for them, they're going to have miserable existence where they have to really rely on their children who are also many of the children of the B40 and the B60 even, are not that well off, and they're also struggling to meet the, 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 the expenses themselves, their families, their health needs, uh, accommodation. And uh, it's good. It's already come to a situation where, you know, I wish you have an, uh, a, a, a long life. It's not really a blessing but a curse, you know, because the last 10 years of that long life, it's lived in very undignified situations. I just want to ask you about the 500 uh, ringgit amount that you uh, that is part of the proposal. This mm -hmm. is so much lower than what Bank Negara estimates is a living wage. So how do we make sense of 500 ringgit for an older person? What were you discounting as costs that you, that you could come to? What is, seems like a modest number. Well, you see, this is not meant for the old person to live alone, live on his own or her own. They're already living with their children. And, um, and, and this $500 a month will come in very useful because now that person doesn't have to ask for transport money to go out to hospital or ask for money to buy medicines. And they have a little bit left over to maybe contribute a bit to the family needs. So it actually uh, eases the burden. Quite a bit, and and it makes it gives them a lot more dignity in the family setup. But it's definitely not enough. Even the man and his wife, five hundred dollars each, so thousand dollars, 
it's not enough to live alone. But they're not living alone now, right? And this will be a big, big uh, boost to their lives to get this amount of money. So... In March, uh, the Women, Family and Community Development Ministry said they have no plans for a pension scheme right now uh, for senior citizens who are not civil service retirees or who do not get a pension from SOXO. What do you think is holding the government back from implementing a scheme for everyone? I think they're worried about the fiscal uh, matters, you know, because once you start a scheme like this, you will not be able to kind of uh, stop it. It'll become a very difficult thing to stop. So they're worried that um, over time, the ratio of people in the above 65 age group will get bigger. And then with our demographies, you know, with its family size coming smaller, the ratio of working people will get smaller. And then the scheme will become more and more difficult to maintain because our people who are paying taxes or working is proportionately less. So those are, are legitimate fears. But our answer to that is we must then do a KWAP. We have this Kumpulan Wang Amana Pension now, right? Uh, which has got about now 130 billion in that scheme. So we're going to have a similar kind of a scheme where we put aside money now. Maybe for the next 10 years, we put aside 1% or 2% of our GLC profits, our Petronas profits, our Maybank profits into a scheme which invests so then we have an income stream from that investment fund, which is uh, dedicated to supporting this pension, so that you won't have to pay that pension for the Varga Mas directly from um, tax collections that year, that a portion, hopefully a large portion of the requirement will come from the income stream from this investment fund that we set up. So things like that can be done, you see, and we think it should be done. Kumar, apart from the cash handout, what kind of other costs? I'm thinking about this is the ecosystem of services that an older person, a person who's retired, would need. Can we keep those costs under control? How's government? What role can government play in keeping, especially health costs, uh, under control? I think health is a huge problem. You know. Um, if uh, that's why the PSM also is arguing for the health budget to be pushed up to about four, four to five percent of the of the GDP, you know, because um, for older people, yes, health is a major thing. And now, frankly, uh, a person thinking about his senior years has got to keep aside some money for health expenditure because you're not sure if the waiting list for whatever you need whether it's a CT scan or an MRI or a surgery, it's going to be too long and you need to go to the private sector for certain things. So that's another addition, additional cost that you have to prepare for currently. But if the health system was running in a better way, then you wouldn't have that fear. Similarly, if you have a good public transport system, it's a subsidy for those who are above 65 or 70. Again, there'll be a huge uh, uh, burden financial burden of older people. So yes, I agree with you. We have good services, public services for these kinds of things. Then the amount that the individual will have to prepare as a reserve fund is, is much less. 
So I guess alongside that is the question of other systems, right? Because we have this uh, message from Cameron Nizam who says, instead of individual level wealth building, why not go for social level care for uh, the elderly instead, like communities for the retiree, healthcare, community kitchens, make that into a law and support it. Uh, for example, increase contributions to SOXO so that it can become a good insurance provider for people who are older. So I think um, that leads us to the question about whether there is a need to create a support ecosystem and whether this is what it could look like. Yes, definitely. I think you've got to think about, about how we can use... The thing is, see, Malaysia isn't a poor country, you know. I mean, if I was selling earlier, the GDP has gone up 28-fold in real terms. After taking away inflation, our GDP has gone up 28-fold in the last 50 years. And if you divide the 28 by 3 because our population also has gone up threefold, it's still nine, nine times more per person. Our per capita income has gone up ninefold. But unfortunately, the, the income of, of, our, of the bottom 60% of the population has only gone up you know, 1.5. So it's a lot of uh, accumulation of wealth in the top 1% or even smaller group. And it's across the world, whether it's in America or in Europe, you know, wealth creation, wealth created in the last 10, 15 years, a lot of it has been captured by the top 1%. So that is something systemic. It's not because the the working people are lazy or they haven't planned for the future. It is systemic. There's wage suppression. So this has got to be addressed by the government, you know. And one of the ways of setting this right is is having this kind of social wages, you know, like, for example, the uh, facilities, health facilities, uh, transport facilities, old age care facilities, and an old age pension. These are the things that the society can give to counteract to, you know, the, uh, the, 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 wealth, uh, the wage suppression has taken place over the last 20, 30 years. Dr. Kumar, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me. That was Dr. Michael Jayakuma, Chairperson of Party Socialist Malaysia, talking about the need for a uh, national pension scheme for everybody aged 65 and above, retirees essentially. And that concludes our Labour Day Inside Story. Uh, thank you everybody for listening and for sharing your thoughts. You've been listening to Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.